If you've been born again, Jesus has dealt with that old sinful nature that compelled you to do the things that you did. It's no longer in you. There's no longer this evil concupiscence, this overwhelming desire to do evil. No. If you're really born again, your overwhelming desire is to please God. You still have the ability to sin, but nothing's making you do it. Thank you, Jesus. You know, for a Christian, it was never really meant for us to be under the law ever. Does it mean that we just go on sinning, do whatever we want? No. No, 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 no. The grace of God has taught me to live a holy life. It compels me out of a loving, thankful response to the Lord and Savior who died for me. Jesus is just awesome. He did it all. I mean, everything concerning us that could hinder us he dealt with everything the enemy could use to hurt one of his children jesus did away with he's given us his authority power to walk in victory took away everything that accused us and made us feel guilty or condemned or unworthy and then what did he do he went home and he sat down on his throne right next to the father why did he sit down because he was finished He's, he's given you everything that you'll ever need for this life and the next. Hebrews 1.3 says, The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. And after He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty in heaven. Colossians 1.17 says, And He, Jesus, is before all things, and by Him all things consist. It's all about Jesus. He's a big deal. Hebrews 4 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find favor in the time of need. I'm just in awe of Him. I'm just trying to show you how awesome He is. He's God. I know a lot of people think the world revolves around them, but it doesn't. The whole universe revolves. It's all about Him. He's holding it all together. This earth is just his footstool. He's just chilling, waiting for all of his enemies to come into subjection. You see? Giving us time more for more of us to come in, to come to know him. That's what his patience is for. He, he, he really doesn't want anyone to perish, the Bible says. He's really just hoping that everyone who will will, will come on in. But I wanna I wanna come on down. I want to get you to see Jesus, not just that He is our God, our Savior, our Lord, enthroned in heaven, and He's coming back as this powerful, victorious King, because He is soon. But I want you to remember that, that He has been a human being, and He's good. He loves you. Uh, in John chapter 10, where I want you to look, the 10th verse, it talks about the one who's Who's doing all the evil in our lives? John 10.10 10 says, 
the thief. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. He's talking about the devil or Satan. They were accusing him of it. He said, no. It's your enemy. The thief. The devil. He comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life. And have it more abundantly. Or to the full. It's Satan who's trying to to steal from you. What does he steal? What did Jesus give us as a gift on that fateful night in John 14, 27? His peace. The enemy comes to steal your peace. He comes to steal your joy. He comes to steal your time. He comes to kill you. Physically. Emotionally. And he comes to destroy He said, if he's already killed me, what's he trying to destroy? He's here to destroy your witness for God, for Christ. Your effectiveness as a Christian for the kingdom of God. But Jesus, on the other hand, Jesus is completely different. He said, right here, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, Psalm 23. Verse 1, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Right there from what he was talking about in John 10. I shall not want. If you believe you are your provider, you will be full of fear. And it will manifest in lots of negative ways in your life through worry Anger, stress, which can lead to lots of other things once these doors are opened for the enemy to come in. The wolf will have a field day with you if you don't recognize the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who provides for you and you think you have to do it yourself. You'll always be afraid. And that very fear is the thing that allow the enemy to come in, eat your lunch and pop the bag. I want you to know a couple of things, though, about our shepherd. He doesn't always supply what the sheep want, but he always supplies them with what they need. He doesn't always lead them where they want to go, but always leads them where they need to go. The Jews, they wanted a political leader. He provided a savior. And they missed his provision because they were looking for what they wanted. And it's very possible that we have... Sometimes missed God's provision for us because we were focused on what we wanted and not what we needed from God. Look at verses 2 and 3. And I want to tell you that the Lord always provides. I want to talk about just a few of the things that He provides today through this passage of Scripture. Verse 2, He maketh me to lie down in green pasture. That green pasture is referring to as the rich Word of God. And if you feed on the Word, you can have contentment in your life. You will have contentment in your life as long as you're correctly dividing the Word and the covenant. He leads me beside the still waters. That's peace. That's the peace we were talking about, these still waters. We come to church to sit beside the still waters and and worship and to feed from the green pastures while we receive the Word of God. Many Christians go hungry from Sunday to Sunday and it causes them to be malnourished. 
truth be known. It's our daily bread. If you find yourself spiritually hungry, it's because you're not eating right. The Lord would love to have more than just a weekend affair with some of us. We need to allow Him to provide for us every day. In verse 3, He says, He restores my soul. Oh, I just, I just sensed Him smiling at me because if, if, if you all had any idea the number, the, the physical count of times I have held Him to that, I just I hold Him accountable to His Word. He loves that, by the way. Restore my soul. That just Restore just means to return back to the point of departure. You see that? God wants to restore, to refresh, to return your soul back to the way that He intended it to be. If you're feeling hurt, or depressed, or rejected, or stressed out, really, it's, uh, it's, just, it's your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions that are experiencing this. And it manifests into your body cause you to be sick and all kind of things but when something devastating happens your mind just gets flooded with all kinds of thoughts continuously and they're really it's demonic spirits that are that are after you they're trying to enter in these negative emotions like depression worry fear anxiety they try to come in if you allow them to Kenneth Hagin used to say you can't Keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can prevent them from building a nest in your hair. He's talking about these negative thoughts and emotions. I always kind of liken it to, uh, I try to get people to practice putting these thoughts down quickly. Because if you don't, it's kind of, I always compare it to kind of like falling down the stairs. If you start to slip, it's easy. if you catch yourself, that's good, right? If you ever start falling down those stairs, it's hard to stop. It's like a runaway train. The same thing with your emotions. If you allow them to get the better of you, then it becomes difficult to make choices. That's when you need other Christians to... I, look, it's like, it's like being an armchair quarterback. You come to me, or you come to one of your other brothers and sisters, when you're in the midst of the storm, if you haven't really mastered this yet, like most of us haven't, then you go to other Christian believers who will not give you worldly advice, but they will point you to the Word of God. They will point you back to your shepherd who will restore your soul. Say, man, I'm in the midst. I, I, got, I, I can't think straight right now. I need you to pray and believe with me, to agree with me, to get me focused on the Lord so I can hear Him correctly. That's a wise thing to do. Because the shepherd, he wants to restore your soul. He's the only one that can do it. You can get counseling. I'm not completely against that. If you can find some Christian counseling. But until you know the truth, which is found only in Jesus, your shepherd, then that who you are, that's this new creation, that I, this is not who I am. This is I have a new identity in Christ and I can walk in victory above only and not beneath the trials and circumstances of my life. Until you know these things, well... You have to decide to let the Good Shepherd restore you. He's the only one that can do it. Continuing on here in verse 3. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He gives us guidance. The Shepherd gives us guidance. The reason people don't walk in peace and contentment is they don't follow 
Jesus leads you in the right path. You just follow. You can't herd sheep. Do you know that? It's an interesting fact about sheep. You can herd cattle. I know this. I've done it. You can herd goats. You can herd pigs. You can't herd sheep. They won't do it. They can only be led. They know the shepherd's voice. They trust him. And they follow him. The shepherd just walks right out in front. And they just begin following. I'm convinced that the Christian who makes a good leader is a good follower of Jesus. If you follow the shepherd, you can lead others. When you stop following him and you start trying to lead people according to what they want or what you want apart from Jesus, then you lose your peace and you can't be effective. Continuing on, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Jesus protects. How bold of a statement is that? How strong. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the number one fear of people, I will fear no evil. And really, it's a lack of faith that we would even have fear as Christians. And I know, I know that everyone struggles with fears. But I'm telling you the truth. It's just a lack of faith that any Christian would ever walk in any fear. No matter what the situation or circumstance, he is still on the throne. He isn't worried. He isn't broke. He isn't sick. He isn't tired. And he's in control. Verse 4 continuing, For thou art with me. Here's the key. The reason we don't have to be afraid is because he is with us. He's with us in the battle. It's important to note that. In the battle. The wolf is afraid of the shepherd, not the sheep, because of the rod, you see? And this is the rod. The rod's to beat the wolf, not the sheep. My Bible says your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We need to stay close to the good shepherd every day. Why? Look at verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He blesses us. Can you... Are you even picturing this? Are you picturing yourself there? The Lord, He prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. A beautiful table set. You can imagine the Lord's table. I mean, hello. And you sitting there with Jesus, with 20 foot angels all around you. We, you know what we do? We, we want Him to stop the battle. But, it, but Jesus is saying, just sit down. Just sit down. I got this. I can handle this. He blesses us in the battle. In the battle. He's talking about a, a table set up on the battlefield. And he's still not worried. And he doesn't want you to be. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Again, a picture of him refreshing and strengthening us during the battle with the anointing oil. And look, the cup. The cup is just, is just running over. Just running over. There's no end to the refreshment of the Lord. Always plenty. You see, these are all the benefits of following the shepherd. Now, what are the benefits if you don't? The wolf catches you. The thief, he steals from you. He kills you. He destroys you. These are the only choices. We're either in or out. We follow or stray. We flourish or inevitably die. Not much of a choice really, is it? Look at verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy 
shall follow me all the days of my life. This is the Lord Jesus making proclamation over us. He's speaking blessings over you. He's making proclamation of goodness over your life. Of mercy over your life. Of eternal life over your life. This word follow, where it comes from, this is Old Testament, it comes from the the Hebrew. It actually means to chase, even with a hostile intent, like, like to chase you down and just tackle you. If you stop running from God, His goodness will catch you, overtake you, and overwhelm you. Still in verse 6. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Look, all the benefits you get with the shepherd in this life. And you get to go to heaven too. Dear Lord, how do you love us so much?